Well, it's been an eventful morning with the heat being out and such. But the Lord is good. It is getting warmer in here just a little bit. So I don't know if we need to do some, like, exercises. I can stop and we can do jumping jacks in the middle of my sermon if you'd like. Let me know. I'm serious. There's a phrase that is used uh, in, in the Church of God, and we have adopted that phrase as something that kind of it guides us. It's not complicated. The phrase is, Jesus is the subject. I haven't said that in a sermon in a while. I thought it was worth saying again. The reason that we are here is because of Jesus Christ. We worship Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ came to earth as one of us. He showed us how to live, he willingly died, and then he came back to life again, defeating death so that we can have the hope. I mean, praise God. (laughs) You know, it's sometimes, you want to talk about something that we take for granted. (laughs) I mean, wow. Jesus is the subject. And, you know, I, every so often, and especially at times like when the year changes, I go back and I look and I see, okay, where has the Lord taken us as a church Where has the Lord guided me as your pastor over the past months and even years? And it's just interesting to me sometimes to see where I have been as I pray about where we are to go as a church in our teaching ministry, in our our sermons that we have, our our, our time of of, uh, learning together on Sunday mornings and Wednesdays and other times too. And uh, I, I was reminded of something. I was reminded that we studied the book of Luke for a while. In fact, this, is, this was almost, I had forgotten this, and I was just like, whoa, when I realized this. First of all, there's people in our church, new people in our church, that have never heard me preach a sermon from Luke because they're here since I last preached on Luke. That just blows my mind. The thing that really blew my mind is that I started my first series in the book of Luke. My first sermon in the sermon series on Luke. The date was January 12th, 2020. My first sermon in Luke was January 12th. Do you know what that's before? That's before COVID. I started my Luke series before COVID. Now, some of you like, that are family are like, I don't know what he's talking about. This doesn't apply to me. Trust me, wherever you jump into the book of Luke, it's good. You don't have to have the previous sermons to get it. But I I got to looking at this, and I preached in Luke from January right up until March 15th, 2020. That's when COVID hit. And then, so so that was winter of 2020, and then we took a break from that because COVID necessitated we preach about hope and encouragement and and hanging on and all that kind of stuff. But then in the fall of 2020, we came back to Luke. The Lord brought us back to Luke, and I preached another block of nine sermons in Luke. And then in the winter of 2020, four more sermons. And then in the the winter and the, the early spring of 2021, I preached in Luke all the way up to Easter. And so the last time that I preached through the through Luke in the series, the Luke series, was Resurrection Sunday last year. It's been that long. And my sermon today, I I was like, is that right? This is sermon number 42 in Luke today. But I haven't been to it since Resurrection Sunday. 
because we've done churchy words and we went through the minor prophets because that's where I felt the Lord was taking us. And here we are again. I am reminded once again, it's time to come back to the words of Jesus. I mean, the minor prophets are great. They're the word of God. You know, understanding how the church is supposed to work and how we sometimes get confused is good. But it's always about coming back to Jesus, is it not? Jesus is the subject. And so here we are, Sermon 42. There, and if you missed 1 through 41, because some of you have, you, you, you weren't here for that. Uh, it's on the website. If you really have, have some time, you can go back and listen to the first 41 sermons in the book of Luke. So here we are. Now, we got up to Luke chapter 13, and then we skipped forward to Luke 19 because we, because we led into Easter. And so we actually finished the book of Luke, but we skipped six chapters in the middle. We skipped chapters 13 through 19. And I said, we're going to come back to those someday. It is today. We are coming back to Luke chapter 13, and we're going to spend some time from Luke 13 to 19, which is the absolute heart of Jesus' teaching on what it means to live in the kingdom of God. I mean, this, this is the heart of the message of Jesus Christ for what it means to be a follower of Jesus in this world. That's what Luke 13 through 19 is. And that's where we're going to be living for the next couple months in this church. Does that sound okay to you? I mean, are you reasonably excited by that? You're too cold to respond. I understand. So, let's pray, shall we? Lord God, as we open up your word once again, it is our desire completely, wholeheartedly, that you would speak to us through your word. We recognize that your word is inspired by you, but we also recognize that the understanding of your word, the interpretation of your word, is also inspired by you. It's got to be both. And so every time we read your word, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to be here, to be present, to interpret for us. God, we look forward to hearing from you. These are the words of life. Words from you. Like, like th these are the words of Jesus. We, we, we want to be nourished. We want to have a meal, Lord. We want this to sustain us. Meet with us, Jesus, we ask. Amen. Luke chapter 13. If you would turn in your Bibles, please. It'll be on the screen, but... I think you'll be blessed if you open your Bible and just read along. I'm going to start in uh, Luke chapter 13. I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. We actually, when we finished before, when we finished chapter 13 before, we finished at verse 9. So I just want to read 1 through 9 just to, as a reminder of where he works. I don't know. It was like 15 months ago, so you probably don't have it on the tip of your brain, right? So we're going to, we're going to pick up with Luke 13 verses 1 through 9, and then we're really going to study verses 10 through 17 today. So here we go. Luke chapter 13 verses 1 through 9. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their own sacrifices. Jesus answered, Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower of, in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. 
But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit in this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, Leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Now, I'm not going to spend a huge amount of time on this because actually you could theoretically go back in our church archives and hear the sermon on this passage. But I just want you to recognize what Jesus is saying. He, he quotes two disasters that happened that people died. Okay, one of them is that some Galileans suffered, and it says that their blood was mixed with the sacrifices. Pilate persecuted some, some Jews. And the thing that was going around the Jewish community at that time was, well, those Jews that got persecuted by Pilate, they must have done some extra bad sins. Jesus says, they didn't do extra bad sins. And then the next thing was a, a, a tower that had fallen down, and, and a bunch of people got squished and died in the tower. And so the Jews were saying, well, those people must have done some extra bad things. And that's why God crushed them with the tower. And Jesus said, you misrepresent what's going on here. It's not that they did extra bad things and deserved to get squashed by the tower. Because the fact of the matter is, you all need to repent. Can I remind you, you guys are, have got to be sick of me saying this, but I think that's okay. The word repent is a churchy word. But let me tell you what it means, okay? I'm going to show you the word repent. Here we go. You ready? Repent. Repent means you are going in one direction and you turn 180 degrees and go in the other direction. That's what the word repent means. Jesus said, repent. In other words, you think you're safe because you weren't squished by the tower? Because you just assumed that they had more sin than you. You all need to repent. Is what Jesus is saying. You are reading the, the situation wrong. You're not, you haven't sinned worse because you got squished by a tower. You all have sinned. You're all missing the point. Wake up, is what Jesus is saying. Wake up because we should have cut the fig tree down this year. We gave it an extra year just because we're full of grace. <laughs> Did you get that? Jesus is giving a warning. Repent. And now right after that story, uh, and right after that little parable, is the story that we're going to read today. I want you to listen, and before we get into this story, I'd like to give you just a little, an acronym that would help you more than just today. This is an acronym that can actually help you. Uh, if you're look, my recommendation to you as a pastor, and I think that this kind of goes without saying, and yet sometimes we just need to hear it. My recommendation, in fact, my expectation in fact, what you ought to be doing is read the Bible every day, <laughs> okay? So you should be in the Word of God every day. You should be in the Word of God every day. Now, don't turn that into a rule because I didn't say, and if you're not in the Word of God every day, you're going straight to hell. Okay, I didn't say that. That's not what I said. But you should want to be in the Word of God every day. The Word of God is, is the... Is what we live our life by. Like, you, you should be in it. You should be, you should be like, soaking in it. 
But sometimes we think, well, what does that mean? Do I just read like one verse a day or what should I do? How do I read the Bible? Let me give you an acronym. It's super way overly simplistic, but I think it can still be helpful. So I don't know if you've noticed, but nurses and healthcare workers use acronyms and shortened words all the time. Drives me insane. You know what it's like to be married to a nurse? Not what I expected. I can tell you that. You know, sometimes I have to I have to ask my wife sometimes, could you please just write that in English? Okay? You know what the C with the line above means with? Did you know that? I didn't know it either. Until I married a nurse. Nurses, you're strange people. All you healthcare workers. Yes, strange. Spouses, can I get a testify? I need a testimony. Give me a testimony. Come on, spouses. Thank you. Appreciate that. All right. So nurses use an acronym called SOAP. Nurses, what is SOAP? Oh, that was pretty quiet. You guys are like, I am not ready to be on the spot right now. I'm not going to play Pastor Jason's little game, right? I think I got this right, but you'll correct me if I'm wrong loudly, I'm sure. Subjective Objective Assessment Plan. Did I get that right? I didn't ask you before I did this. Is that right? Yeah. Is, she's not even, oh, I'm in trouble now. Should have, should have talked to you beforehand. Okay, so that's the, that's the healthcare acronym, Subjective Objective Assessment Plan. That's the healthcare acronym. Well, I'm going to redeem this acronym for the Lord. Okay, I'm going to steal it from you healthcare workers, and I'm going to make it into a godly acronym. SOAP, Scripture Observation Application Prayer. Okay, so if you're looking for a way to just kind of give some focus to your time in the Word every day, try the acronym SOAP. You start with Scripture. You observe what the Scripture's saying. You apply what the Scripture's saying to your life. And then you end with prayer asking God to help you do that. Again, overly simplistic, I get it. But anything we can steal from healthcare workers, it's a plus. So we're going to redeem it for the Lord. So... Scripture, observation, application, prayer. I want to try just to model this for you today. I don't know if it's going to work or not. We're going to give it a try. With the passage we're about to read, okay? So here we go. Let's take a look at Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. The next part of this in the book of Luke. Here we go. Listen carefully, and I want you to observe. I want you to observe. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hand on her, his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? 
Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. That is not a very long story. But wow, is there a lot of stuff in this story. Like, a lot of stuff. So, let's observe, shall we? Mike, if you could just go back to verse 10 and just kind of, as I go through this, just kind of work through this, would you? So, here we go. In verse 10, what day of the week was this? The Sabbath. And in, in the Jewish time, and the Sabbath is Saturday, uh, today, Sunday, technically, we are on Jesus' day. We are different than the Jews. The Jews... Their holy day is Saturday. Our holy day is Sunday. Any idea why Sunday might be our holy day? Resurrection. Every Sunday is Easter, y'all. Okay? That's what we're doing here on Sunday. Every Sunday is Easter. So, the Sabbath, though, for the Jews, the Sabbath was the day that the Jews observed. Okay? So, this happened on the Sabbath. Now, again, observation. This is not rocket science, and yet this is super important to understanding the Bible. Okay, so let's just start with observation. This story happened on the Sabbath day. Okay, next, where did this story happen? In the synagogue. Okay, so the synagogue, it's kind of a weird word, but if you just want to think about it this way, the synagogue was the Jewish version of church. Okay, it's a, it's, it was a, usually a building in the center of, of a town, a village, where, where Jews would come and they would listen to the, to the word of God read, which, of course, is what we call the Old Testament. But for Jews, it's not the Old Testament, right? For Jews, it's just the word of God. So they would come and they would listen to the word of God read, and usually a synagogue leader would, would say something about what was read, and they would sometimes take up a collection for people in need. I mean, it, does it sound familiar? They would worship God. Does that sound familiar? I mean, it's church, okay? This is Jewish version of church. That's what the synagogue is. So Jesus is on the holy day for the Jews at church. Can I... This, if you want to put this in today's context, it's hap- this story happens right now, okay? So imagine Jesus is here right now, right? And there's someone here who has been suffering with some kind of infirmity, right? Since, well, a long time. How long? And a woman was there, so she was just at the synagogue. She was at church, right? A woman was there who had been... How long had she had been crippled? 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. Now, you know what this is, right? It's either arthritis or scoliosis. That's what this is. That's what this is. You got someone here who's bent over. She cannot straighten up for 18 years. Ah, We are observing though, right? I skipped something. What's the cause of her infirmity? A spirit? Okay, healthcare workers. Do you know, one of the problems we have, I believe, in our modern society, 
Well, there's, either, there's two extremes, and I think both extremes are problematic, okay? Extreme number one, everything medical has a material cause, and that's it, okay? That's extreme number one. Whatever's wrong with you, we can fix with a blade or a pill. That's one extreme. Do you want to know what the other extreme is? The other extreme, everything medical is spiritual. That's the other extreme. In other words, whatever's wrong with you is because Satan's got a hold of you. Right? And what I have noticed, and I don't know, have you noticed we're a bit polarized right now as a, as a country? Anybody, anybody got that? Anybody? Did you miss that? I think we are polarized around this issue as much as any other issue. Is it completely medical or is it completely spiritual? Is it just the atoms of our body not being aligned correctly? Or is it some supernatural force from the pit of hell that is causing this? Well, I've preached a bit on this. And the answer is, I'm just not sure. Neither are you. And neither is anybody on the radio or Fox News or CNN. So would you stop? Okay? So here's the deal. In this story, it's spiritual. The cause of her medical problem is a spirit. Now, as a Christian, as a, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? Okay, Christian means I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, I have said twice already today that Jesus, like, was God, Right? So therefore, if Jesus is saying this in his word, okay, all you people that only think that medical stuff is material have got a problem before we even start this story. You understand what I'm saying? Because if, only, if it's only material, if it's only on this side, if it's just atoms in motion, right, that cause these things, and there's nothing spiritual about it, then you have to say, Jesus was wrong here. Do you know what happens when you say Jesus is wrong here? I mean, I'll just let you know. It means you don't think Jesus is God. Do you know what that means? You're not a Christian. Because people that don't think Jesus is God are not Christians. So, I assume that you are a Christian by sitting here today. Probably not a right assumption. There might be some of you here that are not Christians that are seeking the Lord. So that's okay. But I'm speaking now to Christians. So listen. Um, This person's physical condition was caused by a demonic spirit. Well, how do you know it's demonic? Well, let's just keep reading, shall we? So go to the next Slide. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her. So now do you have this in your brain? Are you observing this? It's a church service. Okay. Jesus is up, probably up front. He's probably the guest rabbi, the guest lecturer. Okay. He's looking out and he sees someone with a sickness and he goes just like that. I'm trying not to be. I guess I could just say, Greg, you've got a heart problem. Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be great if Jesus did like, you, if you want me to do this, I'm not Jesus, okay? I've got the power of Jesus, but I mean, this is just an example, okay? So, but 
Just imagine if you're sitting, if Jesus is here and Jesus is Greg, you've got a heart valve that's not working. Come on up here. No, I'm not, don't come up here. Okay? But you see, I mean, think about the power of this moment. Think about the power of this moment, right? Yikes. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, so come on up, come on up, come on up, right? Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. So he says it first, and then what does he do? We're observing. Then he put his hands on her. So he said it first, woman, you're set free from infirmity, but she didn't straighten up, right? Woman, you're set free from infirmity. And then Jesus came and put his hands on her. Just imagine this moment. 18 years. Imagine this moment. Woman, you're set free from infirmity. Sometimes the words on the page don't do justice to what that must have been. Could you, these people, it's not like they didn't know this lady. <laughs> okay. It's not like this is in New York City. This is like a small town where everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows this woman has been bent over for 18 years. And then the pastor of that synagogue, the pastor of that church, who probably was sitting on the, on the front row while the guest speaker does his thing. Just imagine what this must have been, right? You ready for this? Okay, go to the next slide, Mike. Hey, 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 what are you doing? Hey, nothing to, you're not supposed to do that. It's the Sabbath. Can you imagine if we had someone, if, if Jesus was here and I'm sitting in the front row because I let him be the guest speaker, Jesus heals a woman who we know has been bent over for 18 years and I get up and I, and that's what I say. I mean, What does the word indignant even mean? Anybody want to give it a guess? I'll give you the Google definition. Feeling or showing anger or annoyance at what is perceived as unfair treatment. What are you talking about? You know how easy it is to read the Bible and skip over all this? Because you just aren't observing. You see that? Just observe what happened here. Like, I don't have to be some great preacher. Just, this isn't even, I mean, this is just me saying, look at what happened. I mean, wow. And then, and then, and then the pastor of that congregation comes up. You can't do that. And then he proceeds to quote the Bible at Jesus. There are six days for work. I'm going to quote scripture To Jesus. Don't you know the scripture, Jesus? You have violated one of the Ten Commandments, Jesus. Right? Have you ever heard a good holiness person do this? I have. And wow, is it ugly. Oh. You know what I love about Jesus? There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. Now, here's what I love. And by the way, I, if there's, you've heard me say this before. If there's one thing I hate about our area of the country, I'm going to tell you what it is. 
I hate this. I hate Minnesota nice. I despise it. It is not of God. Do you know what Minnesota nice says? Minnesota nice says that if someone offends you, you don't tell them you're offended. You just treat them really nice. Right? But in your heart, in your brain, you're like, that was wrong. Right? But you, oh, bless their heart. Right? That's what you do. And then, and then you go and you talk with your friends. Do you know what that person did? Let me tell you. Okay? That's what Minnesota nice is. Okay? Can I show you the opposite of Minnesota nice? Can I show you the opposite of Minnesota nice? Go to the next slide. The Lord answered him, you're a hypocrite. Do you know what we're not allowed to do in Minnesota? We're not supposed to call people hypocrites. You are not supposed to call someone hypocrite. That's not okay. Because you know, they're really a good kid. And they're really a good kid. Have you ever heard that? What do you mean they're a good kid? They're doing marijuana in the church bathroom. Right? They're not a good kid. This is not okay. Okay? But no, they're really a good kid. They've got, they're really a good kid. Really good kid. You know, and, and, and you know what you, we ought to be saying? You know what maybe we ought to be saying? When, when people do things that is going to cause them eternal harm. Now, you got to do this in love. So just got to do this in love. Okay? But this is Jesus. Do you know what Jesus did? He called him a hypocrite. Now, here's what I love about this. And you're not going to like it. Okay? Jesus didn't go away and just talk to his disciples and say, well, that guy in the synagogue, he was really a hypocrite, wasn't he? Oh, my goodness. He, was, he should not have said that. Hey, you agree with me? Yes, he was terrible. I can't believe that guy. Okay? That's Minnesota. That's Minnesota. Stop. Do you want to know what Jesus did? He squared up. He looked him right in the eye in front of everybody and said, you are a hypocrite. Doesn't that just seem like we're not supposed to do that? Because you are more concerned with our culture in Minnesota than you are with Jesus Christ. So am I. We are swimming in this Minnesota culture, are we not? Do you see what Jesus did here? It is a violation of every Minnesota nice rule on the books. And I love it. I am so tired of dancing around the issues that are causing division in our area. The Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Yeah, by the way, if you're going to call someone a hypocrite in the name of Jesus, in the name of, of, of Scripture and Jesus, you better have a pretty darn good reason for it, and it better be biblical. Okay? Just saying. And then look what Jesus says next. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 years, observe? It was a spirit that caused the infirmity earlier in this passage. And then, not only is it a spirit... But now if we're observing carefully, we will observe it is Satan who has sent the Spirit. Right? Whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? And what's next? When he had said this, all his opponents were humiliated. But the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. 
So what can we learn from this? Let's move from observation to application. I really only want to say two things. The first is this. What are we supposed to do on the Sabbath? I think that's a fair question. Okay? I mean, I've already said Sabbath is Saturday, which kind of is like, well, how does that work if we do church on Sunday? Sabbath is more than just a day of the week. It is an idea that has given us from God at the, at the very foundation of the world, right? Six days God worked, on the seventh he rested, right? And then he put that idea into the Ten Commandments. Look at Exodus. If you go to Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11, this is the Ten Commandments, okay? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Holy means set apart. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor animals, nor the alien within your gates. Now, that is still something we're supposed to do. Taking a rest, taking a Sabbath rest to focus on the Lord every seven days is of God. Okay? Sabbath is of God. So then how do we understand what Jesus meant here? I think it's pretty clear, actually. Did you see verses 9 through 11? Go back. So, so look at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. And then verses 9 through 11. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. And then the rest of the verses go on and say, you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. Can I, can I just paraphrase what, Jesus, paraphrase what Jesus is saying? You followed verses 9 through 11 and you forgot verse 8. Go back to verse 8, Mike. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. By keeping it set apart for God. What could be more set apart for God than freeing someone from the captivity of Satan? That is keeping the Sabbath holy. Do you see that? And besides that, notice what Jesus does not say. In this story, Jesus does not say, just forget all that Sabbath stuff. Did you notice that? He never says, forget all the Sabbath stuff. He says, verses 9 through 11 mean nothing if you miss verse 8. Remembering the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, you got to do that first. Then anything you do after that regarding work or not work, it all depends on the holiness of the Sabbath. Translation... Healing people of diseases, healing, freeing people from the bondage of Satan is a holy thing to do. <laughs> okay, right? Some people always say, well, pastors are hypocrites because they work on Sundays. I, I just want to say, could you just read Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 17? Could you, could you just read that? Of course, they're not really, the people that say that aren't actually interested in hearing what Scripture has to say, Right? The reason why pastors work on Sunday is because we're keeping it holy. We're doing the Lord's work. That's what you do on the Sabbath, <laughs> right? And it's good. I mean, Jesus in this story, just, he just blows a hole in the ridiculous legalistic framework that we put around what he asks us to do. I mean, in a way, you can see that the synagogue ruler, he was, he was on the surface trying to protect the law of God, Right? Well, we're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And that means you can't do healing on the Sabbath because healing's wrong. And Jesus is like, you missed the whole point of the Sabbath. The whole point is that you set it aside for God. Like, that's the whole point. And besides that, uh, Jesus has a lot to say. Look at Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven 37 through 40. 
Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, you want to you wanna just summarize the entire law and prophets? Boom, the greatest commandment. If you are doing those things, do it all the days of the week. <laughs> right? You don't take a break from loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor and yourself just because it's Sabbath. That's crazy. That's crazy. Jesus is very clear about this. And then in the rest of the New Testament, Romans 14.5 is a good example. A man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. It's not that the New Testament writers and Jesus were saying the Sabbath doesn't matter. It's that they were saying it's not about the following of the rule. It's about your heart toward God and other people. The greatest commandment. You love the Lord with all that you are. And of course, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, right? My command is to love each other. You love the Lord with all that you are, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Don't get legalistic about this stuff. And you know what I'm talking about. I mean, if, if that happened and someone came up here, I mean, the woman's obviously healed by the power of God, right? And the guy has totally missed the point. Like, you know it when that happens, right? When people have gotten more concerned about the rules than they have about the heart of God. You can see it when it happens. Call it out. Don't be Minnesota nice. Second application for today, and we'll be done. I think this is an important one. Of course, there, the other one is also important. But I think this is, this is a big deal. Is all sickness a spiritual attack from Satan? That's a, good, that's, a, that's a worthwhile question. Is all sickness a spiritual attack from Satan? I'm going to answer this question, uh, first of all, by looking at the big picture. Okay? Here's the big picture. Before sin, so before Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, okay, did you know there was no death before that happened? There also was no disease or sickness before sin. So I'm just just throwing that out there as a fundamental, like, 50,000 overview of this issue. The cause of all sickness and disease and, in fact, death is the sin of humankind and how we have made wrong what God intended for right, which is all of creation. So, you can make a case that all sickness and disease is ultimately from sin. And, of course, Satan had a pretty good role in that whole first sin thing, didn't he? Right? The serpent. Oh, God told you not to eat that fruit? Oh, well, that's just because God doesn't want you to know what he knows. You should just go ahead and want you. It's good. It's really good. Just then you'll know what he knows. It'll be great. So in a sense, all sin does spring or all, all sickness does spring from sin. And Satan has been a part of that from the beginning. Okay. So in a sense, that's true. However, You've got to be careful in a story like this about Jesus that you don't read into Jesus' words more than's there. Jesus did not say in this passage, every physical problem is a direct attack by Satan. 
right? Here's what Jesus said in this story. This woman's back condition is a direct result of a spiritual attack from Satan. That's what Jesus said. So he didn't, you you shouldn't take what he said in this one instance and say, that's what it is everywhere. And because you also have to look at the rest of scripture. In John chapter 9, verses 1 through 12, you can just, just, we're just going to read a couple verses of this. This is the book of John, again, Jesus. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that he was born blind? Now notice, notice the comparisons between the story I just read and what I just read before the story I just read, right? Same thing. Remember the Tower of Siloam? Those guys sinned, so they deserved to get squished by the tower. The disciples are asking Jesus the same question in this, and a very similar thing happens next. And go to the next one. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this all happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. So, in this guy's case, he was blind from birth, but Jesus doesn't attribute it to Satan. In fact, Jesus said, he was blind from birth so I could heal him to the glory of God. See how that works? You got to be careful, because you could also take this story and say, well, that's the reason why everybody gets sick, for, so that God's glory can be revealed. No. <laughs> you see that? You got to look at Scripture together. All of it. You can't just pick one and pull it out of context. See how that works? In the case in John chapter 9, this guy was blind so that Jesus could heal him. Now, it stinks to be that guy, I mean, blind from birth. It's like, wow, Jesus, I mean, did you have to do it that way? Look, I, I don't need to explain God. I'm telling you what happened, okay? So I don't need to make an excuse for God. That's what happened. Some physical conditions are caused directly by Satan. Some are not. You will know you are in the wrong spot when you fall on either extreme. Did you catch that? Avoid the extremes. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Now this is a This is a passage we need to keep in front of us, especially as we are in this time of division. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There really is a spiritual battle going on. There really is. Healthcare workers. It is very, very good if you keep in mind that some infirmities are caused by Satan. I think that's an application worth remembering if you're a healthcare worker. Don't be afraid to pray for your patients. I know you, you in here, you already do, I know. I am giving you an extra reason, scripturally, to do that, right? There really are some things that happen, healthcare workers, that cause people to have physical infirmities that are caused directly by the power of Satan in this world. Would everybody agree that is a fair application if I'm soaping this passage, right? Would everybody agree that's a fair application to take from this passage? Yes. You see, soap isn't that complicated, is it? Now, again, that doesn't mean every infirmity is caused by Satan. That's not what I said. Everybody got that? Sometimes it's just because we live in a world that has been marred by sin. 
Sometimes that's what happens. One of the things that we can do, and I think this is vitally important, and I think we have failed to do this. I think pastors have failed to do this. I think that Christians have failed to do this regarding the COVID pandemic. I think we have failed to ask these kind of questions about what COVID is doing. Is this from God as a way to wake us up? Is this from Satan as a way to tear us down? And how is God using this pandemic to raise us all up to a closer relationship with him? Wow. Now that's a great question that Christians should be asking about COVID. Anybody? I mean, why are we fighting against each other without asking those questions first? Because the political questions, I don't give a lot of time to. My primary allegiance is to Jesus Christ, not the United States of America, nor to each political party that is in this country. My allegiance is to Jesus Christ. What's your allegiance to? If it's Jesus, then act like it's Jesus. Start asking these kind of questions about COVID. What is God doing through COVID? What, What is God trying to teach us? What do we need to respond to COVID? It... These stories and this verse right here, we've got some praying to do, which brings us to soap. Scripture, observation, application, prayer. Would you pray with me and we will be done for today. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would teach us what you want us to know about the situation that we are in right now. That sounds like an easy prayer to say, but consider the gravity of what I've just said. Congregation, are you actually praying to the Lord what I just prayed? Do you actually want to know? Do you actually want to know what God is doing through this COVID stuff? Lord, it is my prayer that we would be as Jesus was with this lady in the synagogue. May we be people that dispense your wholeness. May we be people that you use, that your power goes through us to bring healing to people. God, may we have spiritual eyes to see when the enemy is running amok because we've got the answer to do something about that. And even... Even, Lord, if, if, a, if an infirmity is not caused directly by Satan, we know that ultimately all infirmities are because of our sin. We live in a fallen world. We are called to take back what hell has stolen. Lord, help us to be ambassadors of that cause. Help us all to be medical personnel in that way. Help us all to be healthcare workers in that way. Lord, we have got to come back to you as a people. We've got to recognize what it means to live for you, to live by putting our neighbors before us. God, help us to be more and more like Jesus. We love you, Lord. And now as we close with a, with a hymn that will bring us Lord, speak through this this song we're going to sing. Speak to us in these words. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And we are going to close with a hymn today that I think...